0: Achievers, welcome to Elite Achievement, your go-to podcast for service-based business owners who want to achieve their goals and grow their businesses. Hear inspiring stories from other business owners, learn goal achievement strategies, and overcome the challenges you face when growing your business. I'm Kristen Burke, your host and coach, here to help you achieve your goals. Together, let's close the gap between the goals you set and the goals you achieve. Hey, goal achievers, welcome back to Elite Achievement. Recruiting and retaining talent can make or break a small business. Small business owners often have limited time to recruit, onboard, and train new employees, which can result in frustrations, unmet expectations, a lack of productivity does it have to be this way i invited an organizational development expert with experience in higher education counseling and psychology dr melissa Furman, to teach us how to be better leaders for our team members welcome melissa
1: hello thanks for having me
0: thanks so much for joining me this is so exciting to be connecting i know we met Last year at a ribbon cutting in Georgia. So, this podcast has been a long
1: time in the making. Yes, and I'm glad to finally be here.
0: Well, Melissa, let's start by exploring what inspired you to start career potential.
1: I actually refer to myself as a recovering administrator. <laughs> Because I served as an assistant dean of a business school for the last 10 years. I've worked in higher education for over 20 years, business school professor. And my doctorate is a little unique in that it's an applied doctorate of business, which basically means that all the research that I did in my program is directly applicable to the real business world. And so here I was, you know, an administrator. I was teaching in a classroom to business students and quickly realized I need to get out in the business community. I need to hit the streets and start sharing all of this amazing knowledge that business faculty have and business researchers have with the actual business community. I mean, it's great that we're educating the future business community uh, as college students, but I was receiving so many requests from organizations who were having real world, in the moment, live business problems saying, can you help us? And so, you know, I turned 40 a few years ago and I was doing some reflection and wanted to do something different. And I said, hey, let's let's give it a try. Let's take the expertise and skills that I have and hit the streets and help businesses maximize their success.
0: I'm curious, what were some of those real world business problems businesses were facing that motivated you to start your own business?
1: Well, the most common one from the last, let's say, 10 years is, oh my gosh, can you come help us fix these millennials? (laughs) They said, we just, we don't understand them. We don't know how to hire them. We don't know how to manage them. We don't know how to fire them. And I have been teaching, I've been educating that generation for the last 10, 15 years. And quite honestly, I believe they're the best generation in the workforce right now. And so I found that when I would come on site and do a needs assessment, I would actually spend more of my time working with what we call the Gen X population, which are folks between roughly, let's say, 40 to to 55. So that has been a consistent common problem uh, for the last 10 years. But more recently, I've been hearing a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion, women's leadership. And most recently, how do we recruit and retain people in this tight job market? Um, as we all know, you know, pandemic, great resignation, great reflection. Um, certain industries are suffering more than others. And so I am just working with them and helping them be innovative and, and think differently about how to lead their organizations and how to recruit and retain a diverse workforce. Well, I am a millennial. I
0: think I'm on the the older end of the spectrum of millennials, but technically, I am a millennial. So I'm I'm very grateful to hear that you think we're the best generation in the workforce. It might be the first time I've heard that, Melissa. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh no, you are for sure, hundred percent. I mean, there's even research to back it up. So it's not just my opinion. <laughs>
0: It's fantastic. Well, you mentioned recruiting and retaining people in this job market is is a big topic right now. What tips do you have for recruiting employees? And then what are some of the tips you have for retaining employees?
1: When it comes to recruiting employees, you have to take everything you know about traditional recruiting practices and throw it out the window. Or what I've been telling people is burn down the house right? So we are dealing in this environment, this landscape where business is changing at a rapid pace. The The applicant pool and workforce is more diverse than it's ever been, and it's going to continue to get more and more diverse. And the one thing that's constant is uncertainty. And so we're having to navigate these unique challenges and those traditional recruiting techniques aren't necessarily resulting in the success that you may have experienced in the past. So things like Posting on your website, posting on a job board, going to different networking events. Those kinds of things really aren't resulting in that recruitment piece. So here's some of the recommendations I'm providing people. Number one, one size does not fit all. You really need to think about the talent that you're trying to recruit. And actually, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back even before number one. I'm telling people to look at their job descriptions look at their hiring needs, and really assess, is this what I need? Just because it's something that you've always needed before in the past, is it relevant? Is it really what you need today? Because many people wrote job descriptions, created these positions based on an organizational structure that was relevant, gosh, even 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and that may not be relevant today. So people say, well, give me an example. Well, right now you may be looking to fill a position that's for one person, but when you look at it, think about what you really need today, you may find that you really only need either a three-quarter role, or you may need two people for that one position. And you may look at that job description and find out that it's really not aligned with what you actually need. And so how can you rewrite it? To be relevant, but also how can you rewrite it using terminology and language that's appealing to the diverse workforce that we're working in right now? So, for example, specifically in financial services, most job descriptions are written using words that naturally appeal towards men, specifically Caucasian men. And there's research that supports this. We look at this, we we look at the words, and there's certain words that are more appealing to women or more appealing to different demographics. And so I say to people, look at your job description and how can we write it in a way that it's more inclusive, more appealing, and more relevant? And then also look at the qualifications for what you're looking for. Some of them say you need five years of experience or you need a college degree Or you need to have this. And I say to people, why? Like, I really want you to peel back the onion and tell me the why behind it. Like, why do you need a college degree to do this? Why do you need someone with five years? So you mean to tell me if they have four years and 11 months, they're not qualified, right? Or just tell me the why, because you may need to refresh that opportunity to expand your applicant pool or those qualifications. And also with that being said, You may need to hire for aptitude, not experience. So I'm going to give a very practical example. So um, I have somebody I worked with, works in manufacturing, and said, yeah, we just can't find somebody who can turn a screwdriver. And I said, okay. And they said, yeah, and and so we, we can't hire anybody. They can't turn a screwdriver. And I looked at them and I said, how hard is it to train somebody on how to turn a screwdriver? And then the employer looks at me and says, but that shouldn't be my job, right? Like, I, they should come in qualified. So I want to translate that to the professional world, right? Financial services professional world. You may say, we want somebody with five years of customer service experience or administ- administrative duty experience. Okay, well, even if they have those administrative duty experience, is, are those experiences and skills relevant to what you need today? Because it may be in your best interest that you hire somebody with aptitude that you then can train them to do what you want them to do today using the skills that are relevant for today. So, for example, um, you may have, somebody may say they know how to use a fax machine. Do we need to use fax machines today? No. So I guarantee you, I tell people, go back, look at your job descriptions, look at your qualifications, refresh make them more inclusive, and make them relevant. Okay, so then now I can go to number one. (laughs) Finally, we can get to number one. The traditional recruiting tactics, techniques, strategies are are not necessarily going to be the most successful for you today. You really need to think about who are you trying to recruit and how can you customize your recruiting strategies for that particular type of person that you're seeking. Right. And we all know this with recruiting that sometimes the best candidates aren't looking for a new job. So you need to take a minute and say to yourself, okay, I'm looking for somebody who has excellent abilities to be able to sell a product. Or I'm looking for someone who is just so customer service friendly and is customer service oriented. Okay, well, let's stop and think where can we find those people? How do we find those people? Um, Do they currently work for certain organizations that are customer service-driven? Which, What's the one we always think of? Like the most customer service-driven organization out there. Can you think of one? Nordstrom. Oh, that's a good one. The one that we use a whole lot here in the Southeast is Chick-fil-A. Ah, Yes. Everybody wants to hire Chick-fil-A employees because if you've worked at Chick-fil-A, you roll out the red carpet For your customers but i'll also share with you like enterprise rental car has an amazing customer service selling training program Um, some of the banks have excellent customer service selling training programs so guess what start eating more at chick-fil-a start going to the rental car company more often you know like put yourself in a position where you can start meeting people who have those skills that you're looking for and you yourself have to be a salesperson to recruit them and sell to them why they should come work for you. The passive posting, even LinkedIn job postings, we're not seeing the success you get, you know, a hundred resumes, you're judging somebody based on one piece of paper. Um, That's hard. The the guerrilla tactics of going out and looking for people face to face assessing what you need finding people who have it is really what's what's going to be most successful and it has to be tailored and custom i love it people say to me well i posted the position on facebook and i'm like okay so are you recruiting someone who's like 48 years old and they're like well no i'm 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 looking to recruit a recent college graduate and i was like well oh i hate to tell you they're not on facebook they're on instagram they're on tiktok like they're not they're not on facebook but let's say you are recruiting that 48 year old okay what are you doing to connect with them where are they at let's say you're recruiting a 60 year old okay where are they at so the one size fits all does not apply for sure and that's just that's just one strategy i mean i could talk an hour for it but that that's just one thing
0: yeah, that's fantastic. And I appreciate how you encourage our listeners to refresh their job posting to expand the applicant pool. And I think about Melissa, the research that says women won't apply for a job if they don't believe they meet all the characteristics and qualifications and i'm i'm wondering when you start to refresh your job
1: description if that allows you to bring in more diverse candidates as well oh 100% and and again go back and look at the required qualifications versus the preferred qualifications right because you are correct the research shows women are like oh i haven't done that i haven't done that i can't do that so therefore i'm not going to apply Well, if you can move them down to preferred qualifications, maybe that will inspire them a little bit more, empower them to be like, oh, okay, this is just preferred. I can do that. But again, really think about those qualifications and are they really necessary? Is that really what you need for that person to be successful in that job? I know uh, sometimes people
0: will take a job post and they'll repost it because it exists and they don't want to take the time to go in and to read through and think about what they need. And they often don't want to take the time because they're probably already feeling behind and busy and they needed to hire this person three months ago. But there is so much power in slowing down to speed up.
1: Yes. Yeah, and let let's peel that back even more. So most job postings are aligned with a job description. Most job descriptions are written and aligned with a performance evaluation. And performance evaluations, my personal opinion, Dr. Melissa Furman, is they're a waste of time. And they are not relevant today because if you actually look at the preferences of the younger generations, They don't want to just meet with their their supervisor or their manager once or twice a year to get feedback on how they did this past year. They want feedback constantly, daily. What am I doing right? What can I be doing better? And I tell managers, supervisors, leaders that you shouldn't just be giving feedback because that's based on what they've done in the past. You should also be giving them advice on what they should be doing moving forward. But... Back to the job postings and what's interesting, job descriptions, performance reviews, many times those are just tied to KPIs, which we know, but it's also a CYA for HR in case they ever want to fire somebody. Okay, so for the very small population that you're actually in that situation where you need to fire somebody, so we're going to then hurt ourselves ourselves. By having this generic job posting or this job posting that's really not relevant, all because you need the job posting to be aligned with the job description that needs to be aligned with the performance review just in case we need to fire somebody. And it's really not even relevant. And to your point, somebody probably wrote that job description and performance review 30, 40 years ago. And is it really relevant today? Because people don't have time to refresh and rebuild and rewrite.
0: You mentioned that the generation today wants feedback more regularly. What advice do you have for a supervisor and how to structure that feedback or how to structure meetings with employees so they can give that feedback more regularly?
1: Yeah, so a couple things here, a couple layers. Um, one layer is all employees, regardless of their age, really don't want to be managed. Now there are a few, there are a few who actually enjoy being micromanaged and like being told exactly what to do, but in most cases they don't. And I always tell people like, I don't offer management training because you manage processes and you manage projects. You don't manage people, you lead people. Okay. And when I think of even job titles of manager and supervisor, nobody wants to be supervised. Like you supervise children, right? So I even think about these job titles and, and like the environment and the landscape you're creating, the culture that you're creating when you do have these younger people in. Like, yes, I am your manager. I am your supervisor. I tell you what to do. Um, they're not going to like that. I actually call the younger generations the peace out generation because as soon as they're not happy, they're out. And so it'll be a miracle for them to even come into your organization if they knew this about your culture. But then let's say they didn't know. They come in And they quickly learn that they're put on a 90-day probationary period before they can have benefits or any of these other perks. And and that's like, basically, you're saying to these young people, highly motivated, ambitious, we don't trust you. (laughs) We're not going to trust you until you proved to us for 90 days that we can trust you. And then we're going to give you what everybody else has, right? So there's that. Then you say, okay, I'm your manager or supervisor. And they're like. Oh, okay. Um, I tell people you should tell them that it's more like you're on a team and the person who's in charge is kind of like your team captain. And people who can understand sports say, okay, team captain, that makes sense. Because I said, what does a team captain do? The team captain represents the team, the team captain is the one who communicates between the umpires or the referees. The team captain's job is to diffuse. Conflict or situations. The team captain's job is to be a role model, right? So, I talking about job titles, team leads, team captains are much better than manager and supervisor. So, this is getting to the feedback piece. So, as a team lead, as a team captain, you should be first and foremost approachable and available. If you are not approachable and available, People aren't going to want feedback from you, nor are they going to want to come to you for help. The older generations, mine specifically, Gen X, we tend to be so busy. We tend to be such workaholics. We don't have time for our people. We, don't, we are not perceived to be approachable and available. It's, it's amazing if we even turn and look at you when you come into our office or we give you our undivided attention. And what do we love to say? We love to say, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. Well, if that is not the strongest message of I am not approachable and available, I don't know what is. (laughs) So what I tell these older team leads, team captains to say is, hey, because here's the thing, the younger generations do like, they're very quick to show up and look for help, which is a double-edged sword. For them, right? Like they like to come in and ask for help because they're used to having resources at their fingertips. So if they're ever put in a situation they need to problem solve, they can Google it, they can, you know, call somebody, they can text somebody. So the team leads, team captains need to help the younger, inexperienced folks really learn how to develop their problem solving skills and how to learn to become more resilient, how to learn to become more independent. And so when they're giving them, this feedback. So, one, be approachable and available. Let them come in. And rather than say to them, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. Say to them, hey, why don't we work together to try to work through this problem? So, therefore, if and when it happens again, you've got this, right? I hired you because you're smart, probably smarter than me. You work really hard. You have amazing ideas. So, let's work through these first ones together And I'm going to guide you to different resources to help you figure out how to figure this out. So next time, you've got this. And I trust you. I I wouldn't have hired you if I didn't trust you, right? And then you give them feedback throughout that process and experience of them learning. And when they do find themselves not being successful, I don't like to call it failing or failure, if they're not successful at something... It's okay. You create these failure tolerant environments. You say, it's okay. Let's pivot. All right. We hit, we hit a roadblock. Let's back up. Or, okay, that didn't work. Let's try something else. What are some other resources that you can pursue to find out that answer? And you give them this ongoing feedback. Now, the older folks hear me say this and they look at me and they say, Melissa, I don't have time to do that. I don't have time. I would rather just figure it out myself, or just give them an answer, AKA give them the fish, then teach them how to fish. And I said, I understand that there is a time investment on the front end, but if you don't make that time investment on the front end, it's gonna bite your butt on the back end. Because they're either going to leave you and not work for you, which last time I checked, when you have a vacancy that creates more work for you, and or if you have to navigate the hiring process, those processes are typically pretty lengthy and co- and costly, so you either make that investment on the front end or it's going to bite you in the butt on the back end. And then, you know, some people say to me, well, I give them a paycheck. Isn't that enough? If I'm giving them a paycheck, that means they're doing okay. And I said, absolutely not not. They want to know that you care about them. They want to know that you're invested in them and that you want to help them grow and develop and you want to see them be successful. So again, it's, it's building those relationships, being approachable, being available, um, helping them learn. All of that is going to signal to them that you care about them and you care about their success. And that's what's going to keep them. That's what's going to make you be an employer of choice that they're going to want to choose to work for you rather than go somewhere else.
0: Is it okay to have a regular weekly meeting with your employee to go through this feedback process and to come up with solutions together? Or are you saying you need to be available any day of the week at any given time for all of their questions?
1: Okay, so I'm going to challenge you. So tell me your reasons for choosing the weekly meeting. What's your thought behind that? The thought behind that is...
0: I know I fall into the, the schedule of uh, everything is scheduled and blocked and just um, I do better. I, I, I think I will come at a conversation stronger if I'm prepared and know that that is on the calendar and
1: that's what I'm focused on. So here's what I recommend. Um, it's kind of like creativity, right? We can't necessarily schedule creative time. It happens, it flows, it's natural. So the same thing goes with providing that feedback and being available and accessible. Now, I'm not saying you need to have an open door policy 24 seven every day because that's not healthy for you. That's not healthy for your organization and not healthy for your employee. Let's be honest. But having that rigid structure of exactly like Mondays at 10 o'clock is the only time that I'm available is kind of like putting lipstick on a pig. (laughs) It's kind of like saying, well, see, I'm flexible. There, I, I'm approachable for an hour a week, only on Mondays at 10 o'clock, right? So what you can do instead is you can have like a power hour or you can call it a huddle or you do something where every day you have a 30-minute window or 60-minute window, and and it can vary. You can, based on your schedule. You then say, this is when I'm going to be available and accessible to you. Because if they encounter a problem at 10 a.m. and they know that they're meeting you at 1 p.m. on Mondays, they can wait. But now let's say Monday at 1 p.m. They have a problem at 3 o'clock on Monday. Do they have to wait all the way to the following Monday? No. They know at Tuesdays you guys have your power hour at 10 a.m. But here's what's super cool. You have these times blocked every single day, 30 minutes to an hour. And if you don't need them, guess what? You just freed up an hour for you to catch up on things. And everyone's like, hallelujah, thank you. This was so helpful. But every day you should have time blocked to be accessible and approachable for your employees, not just one hour on one day. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. Then. And- I'm thinking about some of the clients that I work with and when they hire their new employees, they are already feeling so frantic and behind and overwhelmed. How do you help someone shift the mindset to see the abundance of having times on your calendar every day to connect with the employees versus that scarcity mindset of, well, I don't really have time. Just figure it out and we'll talk about it next week. Yeah,
1: so again there's multiple layers to that. I tell folks you have to have a really strong onboarding process and an ongoing training. And and let's just talk about the onboarding process. Many people onboard their employees based on a what they have time to do, which we all know people in your industry don't have a whole lot of time. So typically the onboarding process is not Very strong. And then two, they tend to onboard employees the way they would want to be onboarded. And they kind of have goggles on, right? So, so a lot of times people, you don't know what they don't know, right? And so you don't ever want to assume anything about your new employees coming in. So I would encourage you that when you're putting together your onboarding process, do it as a partnership with your new hire sit down with them and the two of you develop what that onboarding process looks like based on what their needs are, based on how they learn, based on their style. And you just have to be patient. You may have to chunk it rather than drinking out of a fire hose. Two day, you block your calendar, you do nothing but sit with your people and you onboard them versus, hey, why don't we touch base? Now, this is like the first two, three weeks of employment. Why don't we block three hours every other day for your onboarding. I am available every day, but let's touch base and we'll spread out your training over a month's period so we can better accommodate your preferred learning style, your preferred work style. Now, again, I'm a workaholic as well. And I'm like, oh my God, I just don't freaking have time for that. You have to make time. You have to make time. These busy professionals, often when I coach them, they say, Melissa, I need your help with time management. And really what I say to them, what I hear is really, you need help with prioritizing and you need help with calendar management, not time management. And so sitting down with them, like, okay, for these leaders now, I'm like, what are your priorities? They're like, well, everything's important. I was like, okay, well, we let's chunk them. Let's like, most important, number one priority, second, most important, first priority. Like, how can we chunk them? And sometimes I have to sell them on the important priority of onboarding your people, and I have to make it like a business case. I have to show them the return on investment of investing that time up front, because you will earn those returns on your investment by making that investment up front. If not, you're just going to have a revolving door.
0: So it sounds like as we think about retaining our employees, it starts with onboarding, And then you had mentioned ongoing training. We've talked about the importance of regular feedback and advice moving forward. What else is important as we think about retaining our employees?
1: Yeah. And I would also say, backing up a little bit too, retaining employees even starts with the recruitment process, right? Many times, if if you look at why people don't stay in positions, it's a few reasons. One is... um, it's the job isn't what they thought it was going to be. Right? So be thinking about how during the recruitment process can you best expose your recruits or your prospective employees to what the job actually is? Can you have them come job shadow? Can you have them come be an an apprentice for 3 months before hiring them on full time or you know, thinking about a way that you can really expose them. So for me, I'll share with you, I have a strong personality. Right? And I'm sure I can be a challenge to work for, if you were my employee. So what I have done over the years is I've used different assessment tools, and I have created this one-page executive summary of um, all of these things that I know about myself through the assessment tools. I have an extreme sense of urgency to me. (laughs) I like things very organized. Uh, I change my mind a lot. I quickly pivot. Like I'll say I make a decision, and then like a day later, I'll be like, no, let's do something else. I give that to the people when they come in to interview, or even when they're thinking about working for me. I give them a copy of that executive summary so they fully know up front this is what it's like to work for me. Now, I have a conversation with them saying, I'm a mature professional, and of course, I want to learn about you, and of course, I can meet you halfway, but I want in full transparency for you to understand what it's like. I also encourage those people to talk with my other employees. I give them full permission to ask them anything that they want to ask them. And I walk out of the room or I tell them, talk to them before you even come on the interview. And I want you to give them the down and dirty of what it's like to work here. So they can self-select themselves out of the process before they even come work for you. So that's why I said, I, I go even further back of that recruitment process is so critical if you make the investment there, because if you hire the right person, the onboarding experience is going to be more positive and easier. And then the retention is just going to naturally happen. Does that make sense? So many times people don't like, they don't recruit the right person The onboarding's not great, and then they end up leaving. Well, they were doomed from day one because they didn't hire the right person. So that's, and then again, we go back. Well, did the job description really accurately describe the job? Did it really appeal to the right type of person of what you're looking for? So on and so on. Okay, so then you ask the question what else can people do? I am telling people over and over again you must invest in management training. And when I say management training, I'm really saying, Leadership training. Good employees do not leave bad organizations. They leave bad managers. So there's a couple things you can do. You can conduct what we call stay interviews. You can talk to current employees, high-performing employees, and say, hey, what do you like about working here? Because here's the thing. People do exit interviews, and when you do exit interviews, it's almost too late. So you can talk to people currently work there. What are they like? What could we be doing better? What could we do to help you be better? So that's a retention um, strategy. But also the management training really allowing the employees to give feedback about their manager. Now that can be done with a 360 tool. That could be done through focus groups, all different surveys, whatever you want to do. But really many times employees are not being successful or they're not succeeding because of the manager. And and so this is what I recommend needs to be included. Modern day relevant management slash leadership training must include the following things. It must include self-awareness activities. They should be taking different assessments. I have my preferred ones that I like to use that tells them who they are, what they like, what they don't like, ideal work environments, communication styles, biases, blind spots, time wasters. Like they need to find out as much as they can about themselves first and foremost, and then they need to go learn ways, gain tools to learn how they can learn about their employees. Self-awareness is huge. Then it also needs to include emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is like the number one predictor for manager and leadership success today because of the unique characteristics of our workforce right now. They're very diverse. It's constantly changing. Business is moving at a rapid pace. So the role that emotional intelligence plays huge. So I would recommend taking an emotional intelligence assessment, which I have a tool that I use identifying some areas for development and consciously working on that three. And I only have four. So number three, modern day management leadership training they need to learn about what we call inclusive leadership they need to learn about people who are different from them they need to understand that women see things differently than men they need to understand that people from different cultural backgrounds see the world differently They need to understand that everybody has a different lens and how they see the world, and they don't have to like that lens, and they don't have to agree with that lens, but they have to respect that lens. And then the last piece of modern-day leadership management training is coaching, and you get this, right? They need that person in their corner to help them see themselves for who they really are and to help give them those resources and help them come up with these development plans and execute them. Managers today, which again, we like to call them team captains and team leads. They're too busy. They've, they've got too much on their plate. So you really need some outside help. And I say leadership today is a team sport. It can't just be on the shoulders of one person. So if you can solicit some outside help through a coach and have that person available and accessible for their employees, that's what's going to make them more successful. But in a management leadership program, you can teach your leaders managers on how to apply some coaching techniques to how they work with their people versus management techniques. They're, they're two, two different things. It's a spectrum and the coaching's on one end, management's on the other, um, and they, they can learn some of that. So those are my recommendations on how to retain people.
0: It's fantastic. Melissa, this has been such an insightful conversation here today. And We have covered so much ground in a short amount of time, and we've talked about how to recruit employees today. You've offered so many practical ideas, such as refreshing the job post, such as the guerrilla tactics, getting out, going to the places where people have the skill sets that you're looking to bring into your organization. You've encouraged us to be innovative with our recruiting process. One size does not fit all. Gracias. Sí we've talked through a lot of different ideas around how to retain our employees, everything from shifting the way you talk about management. And instead of having a supervisor or a manager, you're encouraging us to think about team captains and creating a space where there's more regular and ongoing feedback. And you talked about the power hour. And we've started to touch on different ways to train our modern day leaders. So I feel like you and I could keep talking for hours upon hours. Yes, and you did a great job summarizing it.
1: Kudos. Awesome.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Listening is one of the skills that I have worked really hard to develop. And so I appreciate that feedback. With that, Melissa, where can our listeners learn more about you and the work that you do?
1: Yeah so to learn more about me of course you're welcome to go to my website which is www.unlock careerpotential.com. I'm on all the social media channels with the exception of Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. So Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. And I would encourage you, if, if you are interested in these topics, definitely connect with me or follow me on LinkedIn because every week I curate and post different articles that are related to all of these different topics that we've talked about today. And I, I try really hard to pick the reliable ones that really give you some meaty, tangible walkaway practical tips. So just go ahead and find me on LinkedIn, Melissa Furman, and connect, like, and you can keep getting more and more of this information as you want it.
0: Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. With that goal achievers, keep celebrating your weekly wins noting your lessons learned, and identify your priorities for next week so you can consistently pursue progress in the direction of your goals. Thank you for listening to this episode. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on goal-achieving and business-growing wisdom. If you want my best goal achieving tips and a monthly reminder to check in on your goals, join my email list at kristenburke.com.